The World Bank was set up in 1944. In the aftermath of the Second World War, the institution was there to give loans to countries rebuilding after the conflict. The first loan went to France, but with stipulations about repayment that set a tone for future funds. In 1999, the BMJ ran a series of articles on the World Bank, authored by our current deputy editor, Cameron Abassi. The article set out the bank's move into funding global health and highlighted some criticisms about its processes. Now, a new series published on bmj.com looks at where the World Bank has come in the last 18 years, how much global health it's funding now, and explaining some of its new models of finance. The series is authored by Devi Shrida and her team from the University of Edinburgh, and the articles will cover the World Bank's turn to universal health coverage, how the bank's trust funds are being used to fund specific projects, and why it's hard to know what those are. Its new global financing facility, that has grants and loans supplied together, and finally, how they're creating a market out of pandemic insurance. I'm Duncan Jarvis, Multimedia Editor at the BMJ. And in this fourth interview, I talked to Genevieve Fernandez, a PhD candidate at the University of Edinburgh, about the bank's global financing facility. Genevieve, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, well, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, now, you've been looking at quite a technical detail of the World Bank, which is this new funding mechanism, which they're, they're saying is going to you know, leverage more money for, for global developments, um, the global financing facility. Um, we'll get into exactly what it is in a second, but what's the problem here? What are they actually trying to fix? So um, the problem really here is the financing gap for maternal and child health. Now, in 2014, um, the World Bank estimated that every year there would be an annual gap of about 33 billion US dollars for, uh, in maternal and child health, in addressing this area and in preventing maternal and child deaths. Now, um, in 2015, the development assistance, that is all the foreign aid that goes for health, was around $36 billion. So you see the gap here. If we were to take that money and put it in maternal and child health, there'll be practically no money left for the other health areas. So uh, the bank and the global financing facility is really going at the heart of this issue of the financing gap and is trying to create a country-led platform uh, to invest in maternal and child health and also to move from um, external dependency towards domestic resource mobilization. Sure. So the fund works by you've got a bit of money that comes as a, a donation from Gavi or, or someone like that. Um, and then along with that comes a loan from, from the World Bank. Uh, it seems fairly simple. Is it as simple as that? Well, it's not as simple as that. So uh, now we've had the World Bank president, Jim Kim, who uh, and many other senior leaders from the bank who have been pitching the global financing facility at several international 
events and uh, this one statement that they've been using, you know, that it's fantastic. For every $1 that you invest, you get an impact of $4. So you can multiply the impact of your contribution. So as you said, how does it work really, you know? Um, the bank offers countries that have a high burden of maternal and child debts, they offer these countries loans. And if these countries are willing to invest this money in maternal and child health projects, they get an additional grant. So for every $1 of grant, countries get $4 from bank loans. So that's how it is kind of operationalized. But then again, while it sounds simple, some people may say that you are incentivizing borrowing and countries are going to take more loans and they may fall into debt. What are countries actually signing up for here? What will they you know, have to do to get that money? Well, um, the countries really have to... It's, it's quite challenging, really. In, it's an ambitious plan because the countries have to create an investment case to start, which is essentially another word for a proposal. They need to list down, these are the areas where we need improvements in maternal and child health, these are the interventions that are effective, and this is the action plan. And this action plan has to meet uh, the national strategy. It, it, it shouldn't be um, another program or another set of efforts. It has to be sort of streamlined and harmonized. So just doing that itself is a task. Countries may not have the capacity to come together and create that sort of a plan. So the bank plans to sit and work with the countries and plans to get multiple stakeholders other than the government officials, you know, for instance, non-governmental organizations and other service providers to create that plan. So that is the first step. After the country submits that proposal, it goes to the bank board, the investors group, that makes the decision on whether the country gets the money or not, and they move on from there. What's the bank actually stipulating has to be done? You know, I think lots of our listeners probably are aware that the World Bank exists, but they're not really understanding the sort of minutiae of their interventions. But I think what people do generally feel is you know, have this sense that they come in and they say, we'll help you if you privatise a lot of your publicly held assets. Um, is the GFF working in the same way? Is it working, you know, in the same model as the, the rest of the sort of World Bank funding or is it going to be totally separate? Well, uh, what you're talking about really is the whole structural adjustment phase in the 80s when the bank really... Um, even in recent times when the bank had, has attached conditional and conditionalities to its loan. But as far as we're seeing the documents right now, there are no such conditionalities attached to the loan. Of course, there's an interest rate, there's a repayment period, but other than that, there are no conditionalities, which is why it seems like a nice, a very positive, a very, you know, I feel optimistic about it. But again, we really need to... Keep your eye on it. Yeah, we need to really keep our eyes on it. I think that's something that you, you mentioned in your article about um, the fact that you've got this investors group who are deciding on this. Um, it's made up of uh, major donor countries, um, have sort of representation on there, plus um, big representation from, from the Gates Foundation. So there's sort of private influence in there. Um, are people really worried about this? Is this something that they're campaigning against? 
Well, um, the structure of the GFF, uh, I mean, it really gives, um, the way it has been structured, it really gives a lot of decision-making authority to a certain set of people and organizations. And obviously, this is one of the concerns. This is one of the criticisms that who gets to decide which countries get how much money and what they do of it. So as of now, the investors group, as you said, consists of uh, representatives from the Gates Foundation, Gavi, WHO, UNICEF, donor countries, and there are only two representatives from civil society organizations, which is really small compared to the others. So um, one uh, point that I've also spoken about, discussed in the article really, is to engage more civil society representatives and give them a more structured role because they can bring a breadth of skills and resources to the whole process right at the global level to the national level so um and in fact uh Today, there was a webinar uh, that was organized for civil society organizations that there are discussions of how to really come up with a strategy uh, and a budget and an action plan for involving civil society in a more structured way in the global financing facility. So that's one criticism. And you've mentioned the other one that is, so potentially giving someone a, a grant to go along with their, the, their loan could incentivize them to take on um, extra debt. And again, is that a concern that people are expressing? Well, that was one of the chief concerns that uh, a few civil society organizations and a few donor countries also um, uh, discussed. And uh, the global financing facility has responded to that concern in a way. So while the, the trust gives out the loan and the grant to the country, uh, as part of this process, it also plans to work with the country government to develop a long-term health financing strategy. So through this strategy, it will try to work with the government, try to work with ministers of finance and other decision makers to see how they can really prioritize health in the overall budget, how they can mobilize resources from uh, the domestic budget, from other sources like private sector, private organizations, rather than solely relying on external aid. So that I feel is a very good response to this criticism, but again, it's a working model. We have 12 front-runner countries. We have six countries that have been given loans, and they are starting the work now. So uh, we will have to wait and watch and see how it unfolds. What kind of evidence collection is going on around the GFF, and, and you know, what kind of evaluation needs to be done to actually see that if this is a model that, that does work? Well, for starters, Building and monitoring and evaluation into the entire investment case is being emphasized. So another interesting aspect of the global financing facility is its promotion of the uh, civil registration and vital statistics, which is essentially gathering data on maternal and child debts, on um, service data, so you can actually measure the uh, the improvements, because many countries don't have that data. You have global level data, which is then disaggregated to create national figures, which we don't know are true or not. So that's a very good um, aspect of the model. I suppose the last question I want to ask is, is there a lot of attention on this? Are people kind of keeping their eye on the bank and, and you know, scrutinizing what they're doing and, and making sure that, you know, the that data is collected, it's evaluated, and it's, it's actually doing the best thing for global health. Yeah, currently, 
there is a lot of attention on the global financing facility firstly because senior people in the bank are really pushing it they're really promoting it you have the world bank president who's talking about it you have a lot of political backing which is really great because if you have ministers from uh many high burden countries who um have bought into the project you know that they're going to support the implementation then at the other end you also have civil society organizations who are organizing themselves and trying to get more involved so that they can hold the trust fund accountable for the investments so um fingers crossed yeah. as we said earlier yes you've been listening to Genevieve Fernandez talk about the world banks global financing facility. The article to accompany this interview, plus all of the others in the series, and all of the podcast interviews, are now available on bmj.com. If you've enjoyed this, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts from. We're available in most places now. There you'll also find over 200 previous episodes, all available for free. Thanks for listening.